Happy Friday, friends! You still have time to enter the raffle to win Jasmine Frank's new book, In the Waiting. It is super easy to enter. All you have to do is send me an email. Send it to Vanessa at bodysoulandmind.info and all you have to write is, I'm listening. Okay? So if you do that and let me know that you are listening to this podcast, then I will enter you in the raffle to win this new book. It is a phenomenal book. I adore it. It is one of the best devotional books I've ever done in my whole life, honestly. So if you would like to win a copy of that, or if you just want to help me out and let me know who you are, I would be so grateful because I really want to know who my listeners are so I can connect with you even better. It's true, not everyone is an Enneagram One perfectionist, but it is my firm belief that our world today suffers from a lot of the destructive and deceptive lies that perfectionism has to offer. That is why this podcast will encourage, empower, and uplift you. You've heard it said, we are our own worst enemy. I'm sure, like me, you know this to be true. What you may not be aware of is that it hurts you more than anyone else out there. For those of you brand new here today, perfectionism has destructive habits that play a negative role in our lives. Perfectionism can hold us back and force us to live from a place of fear instead of love. Perfectionists have good qualities too, but only when they are functioning from a healthy perspective. Perfectionism frequently lies to us by keeping us in a not enough zone. Because when you strive for the impossible goal of perfection, you will always find yourself in the lack. Welcome friends to a brand new season of the You Don't Have to Be Perfect podcast. It's fall, my favorite, and I have an amazing lineup of guests for you. I'm confident that these beautiful souls will bless your life like they have mine. I have 11 incredible episodes to share with you, plus a few extra that weren't originally on my lineup, and I know you will love them. I'm so blessed that God brought each and every one of these authentic people to my podcast and into my life. Let's dive in. Inside today's podcast, I have with me Jennifer Hayes. She is a wife, mother, teacher, writer, decorator, and unofficial chauffeur. I'm looking forward to this conversation as we dive into her struggles with anxiety and chronic fatigue. One of those alone is enough to drain you. So Jennifer, thank you so much for being here. Thank you so much for having me, Vanessa. I was really excited to join you today. Yeah, I've been looking forward to it. Me too. Will you share a little bit about your battle with anxiety and chronic fatigue? I'm sure there's plenty to share. So just kind of give us a, an overview. What, what does this look like? So um, autoimmune diseases has been 
part of my life, most of my life. I had a lot of illness um, when I was a kid. I had juvenile rheumatoid arthritis and fibromyalgia and a, a list of, uh, of issues that um, caused me to be fatigued all the time. Um, but in my early 20s, uh, God actually healed me of that disease. It was a, an amazing story. Mm. Um, but then, but the fatigue kind of stayed. So I didn't have the joint pain or the, the chronic pain anymore, but the fatigue um, kind of held on. So um, when I had my first child, when he was about six months old, we had a tragedy in our family. Um, someone close to us lost a child, and um, that was really shocking and devastating in our, our community and in our family. And my battle of anxiety started around then. Mm -hmm. So in the months following that tragedy, um, I started to have difficult, even more difficulty than normal with sleep and um, anxiety and nightmares. And over time, the nightmares went away, but the anxiety stayed. Mm. Um, and then two years after that, um, other friends of ours also experienced a tragedy in their family, close friends of ours. And during that, that same summer, I was expecting my second child and there were other issues happening in my family, other people that I loved that were going through difficult things and um, some health struggles and, and things like that. And so I was absorbing the, the suffering of the people around me. And it was just making my anxiety so much worse, all of these things happening around me to people that I loved that I couldn't control. And uh, we had a church split at the time and my pregnancy was difficult. And then I had my second son and he had a lot of health issues on top of everything else that was happening. And then my firstborn son was starting to exhibit some very serious behavioral issues that we were, um, that kind of came out of nowhere and that we were trying to deal with on top of my lack of sleep and, and all of that. So um, by the time my, my second child was about a year old, I was exhausted in, in every possible way, physically, mentally, emotionally, spiritually. My anxiety was at an all-time high. Mm -hmm. and, um, and so that's when my struggle really started to spiral. So besides the tiredness, right? Like, because, mm -hmm. oh my goodness, being tired, like really tired, I think today is one of my least favorite things. Like I would rather be anything than that tired. Like, yeah. <laughs> and I'm saying that because I, I get how being tired really affects your day. I mean, oh, everything yeah. looks different. Everything feels hard. Uh, you get emotional very easily because you're just like, you're tapped out. You're tapped yes. out. You know, even small things feel huge when you're overtired. Mm -hmm. And then when you already have things that are actually huge, <laughs> then right. the small things, like there's just nothing left for that. Yeah, so, yeah. absolutely. So in your, you're saying this when your anxiety started was um, during this time. Yeah. yeah. It was kind of getting stronger, if you will. Yeah. What were some of the thoughts that would play through your head? Oh gosh. Um, well, for the most part, I think I was just really frustrated with myself because 
I was experiencing the pain of the people around me like it was my own pain. And I didn't understand why I felt it so deeply and I couldn't seem to set it aside and continue to function in my own life. And so a lot of my thinking at the time was very um, negative and self-punishing towards myself. I don't have a right to feel like this. This is not my story. It's someone else's story. This isn't happening directly to me. It's happening around me. So why can't I get out from under this? Why can't I get through my day? And so um, I had, there was a lot of um, negativity towards myself and not understanding why I was processing other people's grief to the extent that I was, Mm -hmm. and that, that I couldn't seem to separate myself from that and continue on in a, in a healthy way. And so um, that was really where my mind was at the time. You know, as someone else who suffers with anxiety and like, you know, I'm, I'm grateful that it ebbs and flows where, you know, sometimes it's like, whew, it's pretty much that day. But other times it's like, are you kidding me right now? It's so intense. But something you said about, you know, wondering why you were feeling what they were feeling, you know, and instead of like, why you were so attached to it. I think questions like that, where you're, you're, you're trying to find the answer so that maybe you can get to a solution, I think those enhance the anxiety mm-hmm. because it's that unknown. You're, you're yes. trying to like solve the puzzle. You're trying to figure out what is the source of why is this happening? And that in itself is anxiety. Like it, that's you know, provoking it even further. And so then you get in this horrible cycle and you just can't get out of it. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah, absolutely. And I also, um, I have come from a a long line of get it done, Martha type women, right? Like we, uh, we don't get bogged down. We just, we have to get up and keep going because there's, there's work to be done and we're the ones that have to do it. And so I was really trying to push through and I hadn't, I didn't really know how to take care of myself. I didn't know how to um, consider what I needed. And it, and so I just continued to get worse the more I tried to push through. And then of course that makes the chronic fatigue worse because one of the biggest um, like enemies that, that we fight physically is, a lack of rest and that anxiety was making my chronic fatigue syndrome worse. It was just became this uh, vicious cycle that I couldn't seem to get out of. And I always thought that self-care was selfish. I had always grown up hearing taught and hearing said that, you know, you take care of others and the Lord takes care of you. Mm -hmm. And I didn't know how to set healthy boundaries in my life. I didn't know how to even um, identify what I needed spiritually, emotionally, physically, um, let alone be able to actually attend to those things. Right. I totally agree with that. And I really want to touch on something. It just popped into my head and I'm like, okay, I really think I should say this. So last night, and I, I forgive me because I cannot remember the exact scripture reference. I've read the scripture many times, but it's the greatest command, you know, love the Lord, your God, with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, with all your strength you know, and love your neighbor as yourself. Mm-hmm. Okay. So I had this whole 
you know, conversation in my head because just listening to the devotional that I was, I, I wanted to talk to this person that wrote the book because, because we focus on the, well, you're supposed to love others. Mm-hmm. So, as you love yourself, you're supposed to love others more. You're supposed to put them above you, but they're forgetting the first part. And I think the first part is first on purpose. Love God with all your, you know, mind, soul, strength. Want to know why? Because it's in God that we know what love is. It's in God that we know our identity. It's in God that we we find the rest that we need. You know, it's in him that we can love others. We can't... We can't do it without that. And so I think so much, even just in the Christian community, we're always focusing on other, 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 and we're forgetting about this relationship is crucial. This relationship with God must be first. And that is the self-care, you know? Like, Absolutely. That's it. We have to go to our source. How are we going to love others if we don't even know the love of God? Like how? <laughs> yeah. You know, it's so funny that you brought up that scripture, Vanessa, because that, that particular verse has been on my mind and heart a lot the last little while. And even the last um, couple of days, as I was thinking through um, our conversation today and hoping that that would come up or that there'd be an opportunity for me to bring that up because I always was kind of puzzled by that scripture about how, how to go about that and how to um, like to, and because I had struggled with loving myself and what that actually means and what that looks like balanced against, you know, what the world's idea of what that looks like is. And um, it's always really uh, puzzled me um, because I didn't really have love for myself Mm-hmm. And so I didn't know, like, how do you love your neighbor as you love yourself when you don't really love yourself mm-hmm. and confused about, am I even supposed to love myself? Like, right. Are right. we supposed to, are we supposed to die to ourselves? Like, how right. do you love yourself and also die to yourself? Yeah. But, um, I, I've really been pondering this a lot and especially in this last year and especially in the, these last six months and thinking through, um, just reflecting on what my life looks like and um, how I can love my people better, especially when we're all stuffed in here into this Mm -hmm. small space um, for months at a time. But what I've come to realize is that the chapter, the love chapter, love is patient, love is kind. Those are the two definitions that scripture gives us of what love is. The rest of that chapter talks about what love looks like in action. These are the things that love does and how you recognize it. But there's only two characteristics that define what love is. Love is patient. Love is kind. And that's how our Heavenly Father loves us. He is patient with us and he is kind to us. And so I've come to realize that in light of that, that definition that we have of what love is, when we translate that into love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, strength, and love your neighbor as you love yourself, that as we are patient 
and kind with ourselves, patience and kindness is a natural byproduct that overflows into the people yes. around us. Yes. And so it isn't putting ourselves first, thinking ourselves are, yes. are as more important or more, um, you know, deserving or more anything. It's just saying to ourselves what we would say to our best friend. So if you wouldn't say that to your best friend, don't say it to yourself. Be patient right. and kind with myself so that I can be patient and kind with my people. Yeah. But in order to do that, I have to be able to receive the patience and kindness of God into my life. And that understanding and learning what grace actually means and what that actually looks like for me, this, you know, firstborn good girl, mm -hmm. type A personality, um, I, I didn't understand grace for a long time. And so because Jesus is patient and because he is kind, um, he, he made it, he let me come to learn who he was in the way that I needed to learn that. And the more that I got familiar with him and got to know him and his character and believe his kindness and his yeah. patience with me, that's when I was able to accept it for myself and then show it to others. Yeah, um, I, I agree with you. And I feel like I've had a very similar journey and it took a real long time. Oh, yeah. A real long time. <laughs> uh, when you said good girl and grace, it made me think of Emily P. Freeman's book, Grace for the Good Girl. Have you read that? I have read that three times. I had to I had to read it three times because I cried so much through the first two times. Yes, it choked yes. me up so much because I was like, that's me. <laughs> yes, absolutely. Uh, yes, absolutely. And that was, um, I had so many light bulb moments while I was reading that and realizing that I really was, um, I really was in need of grace for myself to a depth that I didn't understand before yes. in my I think Emily worded it as her reluctant kinship with the older brother in the prodigal of the the lost son uh -huh. and that is absolutely who I was I did not understand my position in the family yep. I didn't understand um, the nature of my father's love towards me and how he regarded me and if I had understood that I think if the older son had understood that he wouldn't have been out in the field trying to earn his father's approval and affection. He would have been at the window with him watching for the brother together. Right. Yeah. Yeah. That actually, that one actually hit me really hard too, because growing up in that story, I was always like, whatever. Like I, I used to get so mad. I'm like, that sucks because yeah. I really, I really resonated with the older brother the yeah. one who was there doing all the work. And I was like, that is so unfair. Like, I don't get it. <laughs> it's true. But it you took know me a long time. You know what else I love about that, um, that story that, that I never really noticed until just uh, about a year or two ago. And I was, I was reading through it again. And at the end, the father goes out after his older boy as well. And he's kind and patient with him as well. Mm -hmm. So if that were, if I was the parent, I would have been tempted to take my older child with the bad attitude out behind the woodshed and be like, listen, you, you better get your act together. Right. And I want to see a change of attitude and then you get yourself in there and you'll be happy, right? Yeah. 
not that's not what the father did he he also he also went out after his older son and he embraced him and he was kind and gentle and instead of wagging his finger and giving him what for and demanding a change of attitude he lovingly invited that son into a different perspective and i love that we don't know what the older son chose to do yeah it's left open-ended and because we get to choose that we get to decide mm -hmm. if we put aside our pride and our striving and come in and join the party or if we stay outside and cross our arms and stew about it <laughs> uh, thank you for sharing that because those are really good insights that i mean i as you're saying the the husband i mean not the husband but the dad was you know uh patient with the older yeah. brother like i'm realizing oh yeah you're right but I don't think I ever paid attention to that. Yeah. I, you know, like I, so I'm, I'm really glad that you shared that and brought it to my attention. That was, that was really cool. <laughs> Thanks. Yes. I, I thought the same thing. And especially because I do have a tendency to berate and punish and, oh, I can't believe I was the older son and what was wrong with me and, you oh, know, yeah. all of that. And so um, it was just another way that the Lord put his arm around me and said, I'm patient and kind with you too and um, invited me to be patient and kind with myself. And that the important thing is that I see it now. Yeah. Well, I did look up the reference just so the listeners can know. It's Matthew 22, 36 to 39. That was the scripture that we were talking about. Um, and as you were saying, you kind of berated, you know, you're the one who would berate yourself like, oh man, I can't believe I was the the brother, the older brother. Yeah. Would you consider that part of the perfectionism in your life? Like, oh, absolutely. Yeah. In my life, um, my struggle with perfectionism was really more focused on my behavior and my inner character more so than on appearance or surroundings and, and things like that. I just, I always felt like um, I felt a, a real pressure to be a, a good girl. I just couldn't handle disappointment, other people's disappointment in me. Right. And um, so I was not a child that ever really needed a lot of discipline. If my mom and dad were disappointed in me, that I was devastated. Right. Mm -hmm. And a, a friend of mine asked me a while back, and, and I'm glad she did because I never considered it. She wondered if because of my illness, as a kid and I, and I needed a lot of physical care from my parents. Um, if I had somehow internalized that I was a burden to them. And so having perfect behavior was my way of compensating for that to be okay. If I'm going to, if I am a burden to my parents physically, I can't be a burden in any other way. So I have to be the most obedient, compliant child I can be. And I think that was part of it, but I do think it was also just my, my personality and the fact that I was a firstborn and I always took uh, responsibility very seriously. Mm -hmm. And I just, I couldn't emotionally handle the idea of being a disappointment or a burden to other people, especially my mom and dad. The firstborn thing is just no fun. No, it's really not. I can relate so much. And, and I will, you know, I'm always going to be honest. I still uh, am working on eradicating all of these false beliefs that I have about myself because I know that I think of myself as a burden. I know I do still, 
like, and I have to fight against it real hard. <laughs> Be like, stop. Why are you like, you're, that's not true. But even as I say it, it's like, but is it though? Like I, and I've always felt that way. And, um, that's why I wanted to, you know, please my parents and please my teachers and please my friends and like, okay, like, like I know I'm a burden, but, but maybe I could be real good for you. Yeah. Maybe that'll be okay. I've had that um, most of my life too, just this deep niggling fear that um, my friends were my friends to be kind and not because they actually wanted to be friends with me, right? And this like deep fear of like, I can't be the needy friend. I have to be like the strong giving friend that you like, this is the relationship you get something from me and not the one that exhausts you, right? Oh my God, <laughs> it's uncanny. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Wow. 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 Yeah. No, I was actually, I just brought that up in a conversation yesterday with my friends and they were like, I don't know. They, they were basically saying, no, that's so wrong. You know, like why, why would you think that? Or like, I'm too much or I'm not enough mm -hmm. and I'm so annoying and people are only around me because they're nice and maybe they have pity on me and, but they don't really like me. Like <laughs> how could they? <laughs> it's so sad and ridiculous, but it's true. Yeah. Real lie that I have to fight against all the time. All yeah. The time. yeah. Yeah. And you know, I can tell you that about two years ago, I had this really uncomfortable epiphany that yes sometimes I am socially awkward it's going to happen <laughs> and as soon as I embraced that and thought okay there are going to be times that I am going to get it wrong and say the wrong thing mm -hmm. I'm just gonna own it and when it happens I'm just gonna apologize and mm -hmm. move on yeah. <laughs> there's and so much freedom and just like rather than having anxiety about trying to avoid that scenario mm -hmm. of just accepting that it is going to happen for all yeah. people at some point mm -hmm. and just decide, okay, when it happens to me, I'm just going to say, I'm sorry and move on. Yeah. I, you know, and I like, I, I bring in the, and that's okay. And that's know? okay. That's like, right. Sometimes I might not be everyone's cup of tea and that's okay. <laughs> I don't need to be. <laughs> that's right. So do you find that it's the Lord that gives you the strength to persevere through your anxiety, through your chronic fatigue, through your perfectionism? Oh, yes, absolutely. Um, I'm, I'm learning how to um, prioritize spending time in his presence as often as possible because I've come to realize that I can't give what I have not received. I can't give out to others what I myself don't have. And there's only one place that I can get that. So that's been a really big part of my learning self-care. And that for me, that most important um, part of taking care of myself and the most necessary thing is making a priority of that time. And that has looked different and been um, tricky and uncomfortable, especially um, these last few months of having kids home from school. But um, I'm figuring out that when I do insist that my children respect that time, not only am I a better, more present, more peaceful 
mom to them, but I'm also teaching them how to do it. Yeah. So that when they grow into adults and have families of their own, that they understand that not only is this okay to prioritize this particular boundary, but it's necessary and that, mm. that they should do it. Um, so I've, I'm learning to do that. But even a step further from that, I would say that the Lord is who gives me the strength to rest, actually, because I've always been um, a girl who perseveres mm -hmm. and just gets it done and pushes through. So I have perseverance in spades, but I need the Lord's strength for the things that are hard. And mm -hmm. for me, the thing that is hard is resting and being still. Mm -hmm. So for lots of people that I, I know don't have that problem, I'm so envious, <laughs> but I do. I find it very difficult to be still and to rest um, and to, to be quiet. And so I need the Lord's strength more for the rest than I do for the perseverance. That I love that. That's amazing. That is a really good uh, thing to share. I, I really love it because I, I, I love perseverance too. Yeah. <laughs> that's like, and actually I've told my kids like, that's my favorite word. Like I, <laughs> I love that word. <laughs> Because I love what it means and, and yeah, I'm good at it, you know, uh, over, you know, about five years now, I have really made it a priority to practice rest mm -hmm. and, and discipline myself in the fact that the rest is actually being in the presence of God and and like, it's so good for me mm -hmm. and it's, it allows me to trust him, like practice trust that like the world didn't fall apart because I took a rest, you know, or because I put everything on my to-do list off to the side. It's like, mm, you know what? Today we're not doing that. Exactly. We're going to slow down because God's in control, not me. Yeah. Yeah. And for, for those of us that struggle with that, um, being still part. I know for me, I, I just always feel like I need to be doing something because there's always something to do. And if I'm not doing something, I'm neglecting something. Yes. And it's not, um, one does not mean the other, like they're not mutually exclusive. And taking that time to be still and to rest and to be in, in the Lord's presence is not neglecting it's not about what I'm neglecting. It's about being full so that I have something to give. Mm -hmm. And so that, that's gone a long way. Like that was a major um, thinking shift or mentality shift for me because that's how the enemy likes to torture me with feelings of guilt of all the balls that I'm letting drop and all the things I'm not getting done and all the people I'm not paying attention to. And so it's been a real, um, freeing experience to shift my thinking to realize, you know, I can't draw from an empty well mm -hmm. for anyone. I have to fill up first. Mm -hmm. And so that's, that's what that time has come to be for me. And it used to be um, a box I had to check on my to-do list. Oh, right. I have to have Bible read time. I have to make sure I make time to pray. Right. And now over these last few years of struggle and, and the Lord patiently loving me, lovingly teaching me, um, who he is. 
I've now come to regard that time the way I think about date night with my husband, where I really look forward to that. That is time for us that is set apart and that I, I long for and I look forward to and that I plan around and that if it doesn't happen, I'm really disappointed. And then I make sure that it gets rescheduled ASAP. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that, that is really life-giving to be able to make that shift too from this is not something that I do because God requires it of me and it's on my, my to-do list to check off, but that this is actually really special, important, intimate time that we actually commune together. Yes. I leave feeling full and refreshed. I really love that you've like kind of given us so much about the the self-care, you know, with air quotes, (laughs) because I, I think you're spot on for one and two, there are so many Christians that take a negative definition of it like i almost it's it's like they give the world's definition to the same phrase mm-hmm. right and it's like no 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 no. i'm talking about something different different like same word you know same phrase but the definition is totally different and it's what we've just been talking about that's the definition mm-hmm. it is being in the presence of god being nourished in his word you know mm-hmm. being filled up in prayer and listening to him not just talking but listening to him resting with him oh my goodness i i totally agree i i totally agree with you i thought that was really helpful information for everybody so i hope they listen well (laughs) (laughs) well i can tell you that lesson was hard won (laughs) and i'm still it's not something that i that i have mastered it's still something that I'm walking out I'm still learning it's still it's still trial and error um Mm -hmm. I'm still becoming um you know it's not that's not a journey that I think will ever be complete until I'm in his presence so exactly yeah exactly a grin I agree with you wholeheartedly (laughs) so I know that meaningful relationships are very important to you And for me, the ability to be open and honest is huge in what I consider a meaningful relationship. Is it the same for you? Yes. And I actually, um, I I tend to struggle in, in relationships where there isn't that depth. I'm not like, I can small talk, but it's not where my heart is. And um, I really, I have this deep desire to be known and and understood but if i can't be known and understood um if i can make someone else feel known and understood then that's that's just as good Mm -hmm. and so um i the relationships in my life where i feel like that friend or that person trusts me with a, a deeper part of their heart that is that's really important to me. It's a, it's a huge honor. It's something that I value very much that someone would trust me with their inner world. Um, and also I want to be able to trust my friends with my inner world, but that's actually also been part of my journey is in realizing that not every relationship that I have has to be deep like that. (laughs) It is okay to have some friendships be deeper than others. Mm -hmm. 
so good. So good. <laughs> I, again, I can't stop agreeing with you. I'm going, wow, wow we know the same stuff. <laughs> and I've never talked to you before. <laughs> well, Jesus did. He had some yeah. friends that he had a deeper relationship, a more intimate relationship with. He wasn't that deep and honest with every person that he crossed mm -hmm. paths with. You're right. You're right. So now shifting gears a little bit, what do you tend to blog about and what inspired you to start blogging? So that's an interesting question. So <laughs> the Lord actually started talking to me about writing about two years ago. And so naturally I ran from it. <laughs> no, Lord, I'm not a writer. I'm a teacher. I teach other people to write. I don't write. And I prefer to have people in my home and have those meaningful conversations in my living room over coffee where we can see and hear each other and understand where each other is coming from. And I really had a lot of fear and anxiety about putting my, any kind of thoughts or feelings out into the world for disapproval mm -hmm. <laughs> or for disappointment. And so um, I, I just told him, no, I'm not going to write. I'm just going to keep connecting with people one-on-one -on -one a different way. And then coronavirus happened and I couldn't have people in my home to have those conversations face to face. And during the first couple of months of everyone um, being home, um, I really felt compelled. I just felt like the Lord had his hand squarely on my back and was lovingly but firmly pushing me forward. And I felt a sense of um, urgency that that now was the time and um, I just needed to start so I started my blog in May it is wellwords.ca and it I'm still it's brand new I've got about oh maybe a dozen posts on there and my whole heart is to help other women to find peace at the well the way that I have, because it was such a hard one journey for me and something that I thought I would never have, knowing that, that um, God told me in his word that peace is mine in Christ Jesus and that he came um, so that I would have that. And, but I, I didn't have it and I didn't know how to get it. And I thought I would never figure it out. Mm -hmm. And so my heart is to help other women to, um, find freedom from the things that um, are interfering with them experiencing that peace and um, to cultivate a heart and a home of peace. So that's what I, I write about. And um, I'm still, my, my blog is just going through some structural changes right now. So it'll be a couple more weeks yet before there's anything uh, new on there, but I am working on some, some uh, goodies to be offering shortly in September. And uh, yeah, so That's it's around the coming. corner. It's coming. <laughs> so that sounds really beautiful and necessary. Uh, the things that you write about for the women, it's so necessary. It's mm -hmm. so necessary to share all of that, especially right now. Mm -hmm. I feel like 
if there was ever a time, I mean, it's always the right time, but I feel like if there was ever a time to turn to Jesus, to just fall at his feet, be restored in him, it's now, it is now. Mm -hmm. The world is just falling apart and it has been the source of pretty much everything I've put out there for the past several months because I can't stop talking about it. Mm -hmm. like, please, please turn your eyes to Jesus. I'm begging you. Yeah. <laughs> so when you were talking about it, I thought that is beautiful that people need to go to your blog site and read those and be encouraged and learn and so I hope that they will. <laughs> oh, thank you. I, I hope that what I write can do that for them. I just spent so much of my life thinking that if I could control my circumstances, if I could control my environment, um, then I would be able to have the peace that the Bible talks about. Yeah. And um, it's been a long, hard road in learning how to let go, how to let go of control, how to let go of circumstances, how to let go of things in, in order to hold the peace that the Lord has for me instead. Mm. And so um, I am truly learning the truth of that, that, that peace is not found in um, perseverance. It's not found in perfection. It's not found in the controlling of circumstances or things that are happening in our lives. It's only found in the presence of Jesus. And um, so I, I'm really hoping that through what I write, I can help um, other women who find themselves in chaotic lives, sources of, of stress and hardship and chaos that are beyond their control, um, to have the peace of Jesus amid that. Yes. Well, how can we support you? How can we stay connected? Well, for now, it's just the blog. Um, I am working on um, more ways to connect coming up in the next month or so. Then I'll have some um, social media platforms um, linked to my site. Okay. And I have an uh, email list sign up coming mm -hmm. um, where I'll be able to send um, some goodies uh, through email if, if readers would like that. So the plan is right now that there will be a, a scripture with a devotional thought, um, probably something from my life or that I've learned um, of how that scripture is true and some um, iPhone wallpaper I paint. And so I love to, um, I love watercolor and I love to see uh, the truth of God's word in everyday items around me. And so um, I'll paint something that reminds me of some uh, portion of scripture that I've learned oh, to be true. And that. so I'll be making those into um, art pieces for download and that'll be coming. Oh. Um, so for now it's wellwords.ca and it's, uh, it's new. The Google's still indexing me. So you might have to type it right into the uh, URL space. Um, but you can find me there. Um, and as I get other social platforms set up and ready to go, they'll be linked there to that blog. Okay. So wellwords.ca? CA. That's right. Wonderful. Well, thank you so much, Jennifer, for just being here and talking with me and sharing with all of us. Thank you so much for having me, Vanessa. I loved it. 
Thanks for being with me today. Let's keep practicing saying no to perfect and yes to truth. Take care.